Hello, friends. My name is Aliza Kelly. I'm a celebrity astrologer, three-time author, and host of this podcast, Stars Like Us. Think of Stars Like Us as your favorite nighttime talk show that just so happens to be released every Monday morning. Each week, we connect with another amazing expert guest, and together we talk about everything under the sun. But before we get into today's episode, take a moment to rate this podcast five stars. Why? Because you're the fucking best. All right, now let's do it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for another out-of-this-world conversation. This is Stars Like Us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Eliza Kelly, and today I am here with Sydney Latwako, moving, dancing, being empowering, bachelor fam, Cancer Sun, Pisces Moon, Sagittarius Rising. So Sydney lived in New York City for nine years where she attended College for Dance on the Upper East Side and danced professionally for the New York Knicks after graduation. She decided to audition for The Bachelor, somewhat as a joke, because a friend told her about open calls in NYC. She made it on the show, but had to make a tough decision to quit her job as a Knicks City dancer in order to go on the show. Her other storyline on the show was that she never had a boyfriend before. She was on Colton's season of The Bachelor and the following season of The Bachelor in Paradise. She, after that, moved to Los Angeles and booked dancing on the tour for Bachelor Live on stage, but it was cut short due to COVID. She then moved home and met her new boyfriend via Instagram during the pandemic and moved in with him to Ohio last August, which is where now she resides. She has her own podcast, Something to Share, which is where her passions currently lie. What a bio, what a story. So sad rising. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know so much about my rising, but I'm, I guess that's what that is. Yeah. It's a lot. It's definitely not a cancer sun bio. Mm-hmm. This is you're you're serving full sad rising with this bio being like, okay, there's this narrative, but then there's also this other narrative, but yeah. then this happened. But then I also want to give you the full picture. So, you know, your rising sign is really like how the themes that are recurring in your life and Sag is a fire sign. It is really actually all about sort of like spreading that flame and taking up as much space. And that I think is the core uh, common denominator of this bio. And, you know, bios are really interesting from my POV, which is why I kind of like to read them, even if I'm like tripping over them as I receive them, because I think that the way that somebody has their bio presented actually gives so much insight about who they are and how Mm -hmm. they want to be perceived as opposed to you know, if I were to just sort of condense your story and filter it through mine, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting how we can put ourselves out in the world in a certain way, how we want to be perceived. Um, Yeah. Because I always felt like I've been told I have a lot of water and fire, which is an interesting combination because they almost, if you think about in life, those two things put each other out. But since they're all in my charts, someone told me once that it's like, that means magic because those two would normally diminish each other, but they're very present in both sides of my chart. Yes. And also not during climate change anymore, where we have oceans on fire. So yeah, that's true. (laughs) I'm in the right place, right time. (laughs) Yeah. We're really seeing things from a different POV. Yeah, that's true. 
Okay. So my first question for you, you know, pardon me if this is the most sort of vulgar of all questions, but did you really not have a boyfriend or had romantic like relationship experience prior to being on The Bachelor? So I lived in New York before The Bachelor. I went to school there and spent most of my time like in my dating life there. And I know you lived in live in New York. So I just had a hard time with dating and I, I put myself out there as much as I could. I was on the dating apps. I tried to be present in the bar and go up to people or just I tried to make it work in New York City. And I had a lot of just not follow throughs. I just didn't really do well in New York City. I think at the time I wanted to be outgoing and go after the things I wanted, but I tended to err on the shyer side or I felt because I didn't have a lot of experience in the dating world, I almost held myself back a little bit when it came to pursuing relationships and things like that. But for me, I've noticed in New York City that I just didn't really find anything that I was really fully looking for. I would find like little bits and pieces of the man I was looking for, but not the full package. And I got a lot of like heartache and then ghosting. So I had like little things, but never a full-blown relationship, never got to that. You're my boyfriend. I'm your girlfriend. And it was a lot of that for many years in New York. Um, I didn't really date during college just because I was super busy. I uh, danced all day long and then I was an RA at night. So I didn't really have time to be dating. Um, but when I, when I graduated, I was like, okay, this is it. I'm going to find a relationship now. Now's my time. I'm in New York City. Why not? I'm single. And just a lot of mm, not adding up. So I got a few years after I graduated, I was like, man, I don't... I don't know how to change this. And a friend, like I said, had told me about the Bachelor auditions. And for me going, it was honestly a joke because I didn't think someone like me who tends to be like a little bit more shy, a little bit more reserved, especially in that uh, world, would have done well on the show or would have even made it on the show. So it was a shock to me to even make it past that first initial audition. And it kept just being like one round after the next. And eventually I ended up being casted for the show. So the whole thing was just like a whirlwind for me. Um, but no, I had no prior dating experience. And my decision to go on the show was me really pushing myself fully out of my comfort zone to not only be attempting to date in like the real world, but also on television, having people watch it was just so scary to me. And I, as you saw in my bio, tend to do things that are scary or take really quick, sharp turns into the next direction. And so that was me doing that by going on the show. I love that. Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to say that there are certain cities where people aren't going to find partnership mm -hmm. because that feels horrible. Um, but when I was living in Los Angeles for the three years that I was there, I definitely could relate to your experience yeah. of dating in New York, but in the LA equivalent. However, when I look back on that time and I look back on my behavior and I look back on what I was actually doing versus what I thought that I was doing, yeah. I also see all the discrepancies, yeah. you know, like specifically dating men who are just clearly unavailable. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm like, but I just want a boyfriend. And it's yeah. like, bitch, did you like, did yeah. you actually, because these people were never going to be your boyfriend, you know, exactly. like you don't need to be a fucking rocket scientist to mm -hmm. do the math on that. So I don't know if it's necessarily that there are certain cities that like people have shittier luck. And obviously like the metropolitan cities like Los Angeles and New York are just really hard to mm -hmm. form those connections. But I think that 
a lot of it has to do with the state of mind that you're in when you're in those places. Yeah, I was actually talking to, have you heard of Shan Boudram on my podcast yesterday? Yeah, Shan is coming on the show Yeah, tomorrow. she's awesome. Oh, amazing. And we have the same manager. Oh, perfect. So you, you guys know each other well. She's awesome. Yeah. And she was talking about this, like sometimes like say maybe you wanted a more traditional route. Maybe you wanted to get married earlier. Like you have certain things that you're looking for when you know yourself really well. And then if you realize after a while that maybe if you're living in LA and New York and those things don't line up with what you're looking for, that could just be uh, the reason why it's not working for you. Or it could be like you said, like your mindset going into dating or the process of dating. Like I think for me, probably at that time, I was like, I really want a boyfriend. I really want this. But then I was scared of it. So I was almost like push and pull with me where I was like, on the inside, I really wanted that. But on the outside, I was a little scared. So I'd put up fronts or I would seek out partners that really weren't what I was fully looking for. Or I would just call the wrong people in, I think, because secretly I was just not fully ready yet. I was kind of like dipping a toe in internally. Yeah, I, I relate to that. And I also think that like, at least for me, you know, when I was in my early mid twenties and living in Los Angeles, you know, the idea of just like, I want to have a lot of experience. I want to have a lot of sex. I want to have a lot of fun. Wasn't actually what I thought that I wanted. Mm -hmm. I thought that I wanted to be in a relationship because I am a Venus zero degrees Libra. I am very, very relationship oriented but my actions did not align with it. So it was almost like I was sticking yeah. to this narrative um, of like, oh, I'm supposed to be in a relationship. But really, I was just like going out and having sex and like hooking up and meeting people, which is totally great. You know, right, like there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. But I wasn't comfortable or confident enough with myself for that actually to be my truth holistically. Yeah. So there were all of these discrepancies. Yeah. It's amazing when you make those shifts, once you finally, maybe you realize it mentally or it's an internal thing and you make those shifts, then how everything changes because of that. Because if I were to find a relationship at the time I was looking in New York city, I would have, it would have been not successful. I would have probably um, been heartbroken for the wrong reasons. And I, I'm glad that it worked out the way it did, even though I was so frustrated during the time in New York and even dating in LA. I was just like so frustrated, kind of lonely, like really looking for that thing, but not even coming even a little bit close to it. So I guess everything does happen for a reason, but it's it's hard when you're in it because you're just like, oh, I'm I'm putting myself out there. I'm going on dates. For me, I went on a, a TV show to date. Like I did all the the right things, but it definitely wouldn't have been right. I don't think if it would have happened to me then. So there you go. I mean, and that's the perspective that only time can offer. You know, it's really like there's no shortcut for that. You just need to keep living your life and to mm -hmm. keep having different experiences so that you can then look back and reflect on like, okay, what was actually going on here? And then rewrite the narrative where needed. Like for me, you know, dating shitty dudes when I was in LA is such an important part of my narrative mm -hmm. um, because it was, it, one, it was the sort of recreation of a cycle that had started when I first became like sexually active when I was a teenager. So it was like the perpetuation of yeah. that narrative. Mm -hmm. But then on top of it, it was also like, I needed to get fully rock bottom in my relationships mm -hmm. so that I could meet who was going to be my husband. You know, I could meet the person who I've been with now for almost five years and that I'm so excited and, you know, I I'm so grateful for, mm -hmm. I needed to be ghosted a million times. I needed to be 
love bombed. I needed to have like all of the sort of classic sex in the city narratives happen yeah. in order mm-hmm. for me to know what actually was real in my life. Yeah. Then you can recognize it when it does enter into your life. Because if you're still wishy-washy on it, if you're still repeating the same patterns, this new person is actually probably the right thing. You'll not either trust it or it won't seem right, or you don't feel or you won't feel like you'd fully deserve it yet if you haven't gone through those other things, I think. So totally. Yeah. And I'm I'm like a rock bottom queen. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like I'm gonna Thanks. just keep hitting my head against the wall until it's like I fully, fully get a concussion. And I'm like, okay, I got to stop doing that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also need to know about these, la- this last like year and a half for you, because this seems like it has been sort of the, the synthesis of mm-hmm. so much of what you have been, you know, of pulling together throughout your journey. Yeah. I'm actually in my Saturn return right now. So I was going to ask, <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. But it felt like for me, it didn't, I started making shifts before the Saturn return. I don't know if that was like intentional or what. How how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Um, just turned 30 in July. So I think it ends okay, cool. for me technically in January. So we'll see how these next few months go. But I mean, I haven't had too much of a hard time in my Saturn return. I think just because I made such huge shifts in the years before, the year before. Um, so I at 27, I went on The Bachelor. I was living in New York City at the time. And I went on the show. And then I realized while on the show, I was kind of miserable in New York. I'd been there for nine years, doing a lot of the same things. I loved my job, work, dancing for the Knicks. It was something that I worked really hard to earn. You had to re-earn that position every single year. And I loved being wow. on a team of women. It was just very stressful for me. It was a stressful environment, but I also loved it. But it was a lot of push and pull. And then when I had to quit in order to go on the show, that was a really hard decision for me. It's one that I had to make like three or four days before leaving because they didn't want me to do the show and stay on the team and represent Madison Square Garden and Knicks. And I totally understand. That sounds stupid. I don't fully understand at all. That sounds like full shade, but I don't know where to direct the shade. Should I direct the shade at Madison Square Garden? It was the higher ups. It was not the people that actually knew me that worked with me. It wasn't my coaches or my supervisors. It was like, who's the owner of MSG? It was like him and then the PR people. And then like the lawyers. That sounds honestly like a fully missed opportunity. Yeah. So it was unfortunate. I think because if you, if you don't know me personally, you just think some girl's going on a reality television show. She's going to go take her clothes off and be crazy and make a fool out of herself. And that's going to be reflected on us, which I get. Like, I totally understand. Like that happens a lot for people on reality TV. I didn't do that route, but I mean, I think ultimately it was just one thing pushing me forward into the next thing as a lot of my things have done in my life. Um, So I realized on the show, I was just like unhappy in New York. There was nothing really for me to go back to necessarily because I worked for being on the team. And then it was going to be even, I think, harder for me getting to see my friends still doing it and um, someone else kind of in my position continuing on where I couldn't. Um, So that was hard for me. So I realized, okay, I want to move when I come back at some point. So I decided I wanted to move to LA. And then after Bachelor, I moved to LA. And that was another big shift. I was just kind of figuring it out. Didn't really know what exactly I was going to be doing. I knew I wanted to dance a little bit and just, you know, just a change of pace and change of energy. So I went out there. I was there for like maybe 
three or four months. And then I booked the Bachelor Live tour, which was incredible. Um, We were going to be touring around all of the US. I was going to be dancing in the show. And then we had two hosts, Ben and Becca, who were former Bachelor and Bachelorettes. And they were having like a mini Bachelor season in one night in local cities. And they they would have like a local Bachelor and then like eight to 10 Bachelorettes date each other on stage while we like made them do ridiculous things. So I had a blast. We got to do it for like a month and a half and then COVID hit and then everything shut down. And then I I found myself back in Virginia Beach in my hometown, just like, cool, now what? Like all of the things I've worked for and I was making ways on are not possible. Um, I made this big shift in my life and decided to move to LA and I'm not even there right now. I'm just paying for my apartment. So how did you end up back in Virginia? I just decided if this pandemic thing is going to keep, we thought we were going to be off tour for a week and we were going to go back. So then I was like, okay, I'll just go see my family for a week and then I'll come back to tour and it'll be great. It was obviously more long, longer than a week. So I, I just felt lucky to do that because if I had gone back to LA, I would have been kind of stuck there by myself. It was just nice to be around people. So I feel like over the past year or so, I've been I've gotten better at just kind of rolling with what I'm being handed. Um, I think in the past, I like to go against the grain a lot and feel like I have to work really hard for things in order to be deserving of them. And I have to like struggle and go through like a rock bottom and have it like these, everything kind of fall out in order for me to get the thing that I want. Um, And this was a time of me being like, no, I can't do that. There's nothing I can push against. I physically can't do anything to help myself. So what can I do now to still have passions and find something that is going to still light me up? but doesn't normally look like what I'm used to. So then for me, I started working on a podcast and that's what I've been doing since then. And obviously during that time, I met my now boyfriend who it was like just a wild story because I was at home. Everything was kind of ripped away from me. And then this guy walked into my life by sliding into my DMs very casually, like a f- like very friendly. And we just started talking over DMs like the first few days of the pandemic. And then after a couple of days, I FaceTimed him randomly just because you get lonely and whatever in quarantine. And then we just didn't stop talking ever since. And after three months of talking and FaceTiming, we decided, okay, it seems like kind of safe out. It seems like we can try this thing out in person. Like, what if I fly to you and we'll just see what happens? Which luckily it worked out. Could have been really bad if I hadn't. Um, so I flew to Ohio from Virginia. I decided to stay for a week. We got to know each other. I mean, we got to know each other really well over three months, but uh, we had to see if it was like actually real in person. And it turns out it was. That's so cool. So yeah. And then I flew here again in August just to stay for a month. And that my intention was to go back to LA. And then after I got here, I was like, well, what am I going? Why am I leaving? Like, what am I going to LA for? What is it that I'm going back for? So it just for me, it made more sense just to again go with what I was being handed at the time. And it's that's why I'm now here. I live here now. So that's where I'm at currently. <laughs> that's wild. What a story. Yeah. Yeah. It was it's definitely wild, especially looking back on how I used to do things and how I'm currently doing things. It I mean, it's it's hard for me to play with the differences because I'm just used to like, okay, I operate by like working really hard or 
driving myself crazy to try to accomplish these goals or go after these jobs and all these things. But this, I'm just kind of allowing things to flow a little bit more. And even though it's honestly better for me and my um, work environment, all the things, things are flowing a little bit more. I still feel uneasy because it's still different from what I'm used to of just like the grind and um, the turmoil and all the stuff that I'm used to receiving. But it's, it's a nice change of pace for me, for sure. So how do you think, or do you have a plan or have you considered like, you know, the, because it sounds like even prior to the bachelor, like, you know, you were in these extremely competitive environments, the stakes were really high. Mm -hmm. And even though we have some big cities in Ohio, obviously nothing to the scale Mm -hmm. of New York, where you spent nine years or Los Angeles, where you dabbled a little bit. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, do you feel like you are over that part of your, are you trying to reconcile it as a completion or Mm -hmm. are you sort of just looking at it right now and trying to figure out how you're going to integrate it for the future? You know what I mean? Yeah. One of the things I definitely realized during the pandemic was it doesn't have to be so hard and I don't have to be exhausted all the time. I don't have to be chasing things so much. I think once I let go of the reins of that, I saw things flow a little bit more naturally. I saw things come into my life that would have not happened to me if I were doing that grind, that working. I don't know. I'm also a projector that if you know what that is in like human design. So I'm been, my design is told to wait for the invitation and be patient, which I really had a hard time with. Um, cause I was just told my whole life, like you have to work, you have to be going after things, you have to all the stuff. So I'm I'm trying to rework that. And I've just noticed by allowing things to kind of happen a little bit more, that more has happened for me and a lot more quicker than it used to. So I think this was the change of pace I needed. I think it took like forcing me to do it in order for me to get to where I am now. Cause I don't think it's something I would have decided for myself at the pace I was at. If like the pandemic hadn't happened, if all these things hadn't shifted, I don't think I would have been like, you know what? I'm going to move to the Midwest and just see what happens. Like, I think it took like being forced to do so, but I, I don't see myself going back unless it was like, here's this job, come out here for a little bit and do it and then come back. Like, I don't see myself going back into the apartment that I had or, and just trying to make it work and going to auditions all the time and just feeling tired and like sad sometimes because you don't get the thing that you wanted. Um, so yeah, I don't see myself going back. I'm right now I'm just working towards like, how can I utilize this space I'm in? How can I look outside the box a little bit more? How can I continue to fulfill the passions and the sides of myself that I need to without having to be in the direct like city space or in, in the scene so much? How can I do it from where I am now? I, I mean, I think that that is a really shared experience from the pandemic. I think that so many people are recalibrating, Mm -hmm. especially those who were living such rigorous lifestyles, Mm -hmm. you know, just like in the grind, hustle culture, girl boss culture, like all of that is being renegotiated right now, I think on a collective level, but definitely on an individual level too. I really relate. And I also am sort of like, if I'm not working all the time, who am I? (laughs) I am someone who has to deal with a lot of emotions. For sure. For me, work is a way for me to keep myself busy Mm -hmm. so that I don't have to go into some of these darker, uh, more painful places and not just talk about them from the sort of professional perspective, but really embody them 
on a very private, personal level, yeah. um, which, you know, I haven't really wanted to do, frankly, like, you know, yeah. I've been doing the consistent therapy for 10 years. I'm an astrologer. I have those tools. Mm -hmm. I have a deep spiritual practice, but you know, I also have a schedule that doesn't allow me to be bored. And I think that it was during the pandemic, especially because you, you know, you can't bop around. So it was like, you sort of had a different relationship with being busy because it was suddenly like, oh shit, like yeah. I'm, that just means that I'm sitting at my computer for 12 hours a day. Not mm -hmm. even that I'm getting to go from one meeting to another. This is just like yeah. burnout on this fucking shitty laptop. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, it's hard to face that too. And I, at the beginning or when I first moved to Cincinnati, I would have like a lot of breakdowns and my boyfriend was like trying to help me out as much as possible. But I, I had to go to therapy for a little bit and it's not something that I really had done before. But at the beginning, I had to figure out like why I was so upset. And I just felt like a part of myself was like ending. And she had explained to me, like, you have to mourn that performer, that dancer side of yourself that you'd worked so hard for, for so many years. I mean, I started dancing at three wow. and did it forever. So, and then realizing I couldn't do that anymore, not even realizing if I was able to go back ever. I just had to come to terms with that a little bit. And I, it was really hard for me because I had to basically mourn that part of myself. It was almost like a death. It felt like, cause I was just like uh, very up and down with it felt very like lost. And then for me, she helped me figure it out. Like you have to honor that part of yourself, like figure out how to let it go, at least for now, and then figure out how you can fill that cup up with something else. And that, so that's what led me to the podcast and putting myself out there, which was also scary for me to do. Cause it's something that I always feel like I wanted to do deep down but didn't feel like I was deserving of it or capable of it. I had spent so much of my life doing one thing, like not dancing. So you're not really like talking that much. You're not really, really using that side of yourself. It's still an element of performing, but it's, um, it's a different outlet. So I had to overcome those like boundaries that I had within myself and just kind of be like, screw it and put it out there and go from there. Yeah, I thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing that vulnerability with us because I think that so many of our listeners can relate to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now I want to ask you two questions. The first question is, what do you believe in? I believe in that no matter how hard things can get and how like devastating a situation can be, that there will always be something that's leading you where you're supposed to be going. Like I feel like every tribulation that I've had and every like hard time in my life that I've had has led me to the place that I was meant to be. Looking back on it, easy it's easier to say and be like, oh yeah, this this really devastating time in my life led me to this thing and then this thing. Um, in the moment, it's hard for me to recognize that. But as I've seen the patterns happen over and over again for me, I've been able to be a little bit more um, accepting of the harder times. So I think it's almost like everything happens for a reason, but more of like everything can be a lesson and everything's pushing you forward to where you're supposed to end up. Love that. Love that. That is definitely something that is such an important part of my practice, such an important part of the work that I do with clients. And then also just like, for me personally, you know, something that I try to keep top of mind constantly is like mm -hmm. when I think back on my life, the best, most magical things that have happened have been a reaction to huge monumental challenges. Yeah. So when I'm in a challenge, even though it's obviously hard to apply that perspective in real time, it's also like to know that 
you know, there are certain people whose magic sort of comes by way of those trials and tribulations. Mm -hmm. That's definitely how I feel. Yeah. Isn't it like diamonds are made under pressure? Like you have to add that pressure to get a diamond. Yeah, totally. And in astrology, we have squares, which are this hard aspect. And in physics, you know, it's two um, objects meeting at a 90 degree angle that creates force. Hmm. So it's like the same concept of moving things through force. You know, the force obviously is going to be pressure, Mm -hmm. but it also can create momentum and it can create change. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Question number two. What do you believe in? I would say that I, I, I feel like I'm more spiritual than religious. I didn't really grow up in a church or anything, um, but I do feel like I am being guided by something bigger than myself. And at least I, like, I hope to, I like to think that I am. So I, I just believe that we're not alone and that when you look for it, there's something that is leading us. You just have to get quiet and go within almost to feel that and to find it for yourself. Beautiful. Love that. Thank you so much. Okay. I would love to pull a tarot card for you. And the way that my deck works best is when we have a question to work with. It's not very good with sort of ambiguous, like, let's just see what the deck says, because Mm -hmm. then it's going to be a strange card. I'm not going to know how to interpret it. You're not going to know how to interpret it. It's going to be like, okay, well, that's awkward. Um, So the more specific the question, the better. So now to put you on the spot, what would be your specific question for the tarot? I guess like, what do I need to be doing now to get to the place that I am supposed to be going and to be in purpose, if that makes sense? Yes. What do you need to be doing now in order to get to the place that you're supposed to be going and be in your purpose? Mm -hmm. Beautiful question. Okay. Um, Would you like me to work with pile one, pile two, or pile three? Pile one. Excellent choice. All right. So what is the energy that we need to be harnessing at this moment. Um, so this is in real time. This is very specific to right now, not anything from the past, not anything far into the future. This is the current status quo. Okay. I pulled the judgment card, Mm. which is a really cool card and it's a major arcana card. So we know that this message is about monumental change. Mm-hmm. This is not something, this is, if we pulled a minor arcana card, we would have been like, okay, this is something for your day-to-day reality. This is like, okay, what we're talking about here is cataclysmic lifelong milestones, right? Like something that you're going you're, to add to the bio, right? So you're still in that space at uh-huh. this moment where big changes are happening. Now, the judgment card is like one of the weirdest cards, I think, in the whole deck. And it's, you know, the imagery of this is all of these people rising from their coffins. They're all gray, which is so gross. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're dead and naked and it's judgment day where they're being sort of, you know, their fate is being decided. One of the reasons that this is such a weird card to me is because it's like, it's the second to last card of the whole deck. And it really says, okay, well, everything that you thought you knew is done, right? (laughs) You are now in a resurrection process to begin with, right? So you are resurrecting. And what does it mean for you to resurrect? What are you resurrecting? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because it's very much about sort of the Phoenix ideology and the Phoenix mythology is like, you know, to come back from the ashes, stronger, more beautiful, more vibrant, more dynamic 
But this also would sort of indicate to me that this is a pivot from maybe even the instruction that the therapist told you a few months ago where you were in a mourning phase. This is a rebirth phase. Mm. So instead of focusing too much on the funeral, we're now going to be focusing on the afterlife. Mm. You know, what does it mean for you to be born again? What does it mean for you to come back? What is your sort of rearrival look like? Because you're going to be very intentional about, okay, well, this was a toxic quality or this was something I don't want to, you know, bring back mm. in this new iteration of self. But I'm also coming back. You know, I'm literally coming back from my coffin, opening it up and being like, hello, I'm here. You thought I was dead. I'm not. So being really specific about what it is that you are rebirthing, what it is that you are bringing forward into this new cycle mm -hmm. and choosing that so that it's no longer a feeling of like, okay, I need to just be in this bereavement. But with the beginning, with this, this cycle ending, that's asking for you to come back around again to use that as an opportunity to say like, okay, well, I'm just turned 30. I was in my late twenties. I was be ending a decade and now I'm just beginning one all over again. Mm -hmm. So what do my thirties look like? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is sort of the microcosm of the, of the cycle. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very Saturn returny. It is. It seems exciting to me. And also it's like another daunting thing. It's like, okay, what do I want to, what do I want to come back as? What do I want to keep? Yeah. Yeah. Hard question. But I definitely would specifically say that mourning is over. Good. Okay. Yeah. Start living. <laughs> yeah. Exa or yeah. Start coming back as a little dead gray coffin <laughs> with blonde hair. Person. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. One of these little like Swedish friends over here. Yeah. <laughs> so where can we find you? Where can we continue to track this journey, especially since we know that we are still going through a lot of metamorphosis. Things are going to be happening. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone wants to stay tuned and watch what happens. Um, so I'm on Instagram, kind of on TikTok, both Sydney Latwaco, L-O-T-U-A-C-O um, is my last name. And then my podcast is something to share. We have episodes every Wednesday. I like to talk to inspiring people, people from TV and just someone with interesting messages. So yeah. That's where you can find me. Amazing. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Bye.